he said to me, and I, and I, it stuck with me for all my life, and it's not something which I share very often, but he said, think of how much compassion you will have in the future for others who struggle with this too. And you know what? He was absolutely right. And, and the struggle, the struggle has been in many different ways since then. Martin Fricker, my first guest on the the series, the um, 12 gifts of Christmas leading up to Christmas. We will be launching a series of conversations that all our lovely learners and mentors and all the people that know us will be listening to. And while I was um, putting this idea together and thinking about how I was going to sell it to you guys as a as a board, as a team, I I had a list of people that I thought, oh, the, these are going to be really interesting and cool to listen to because there are things that I would like to ask that individual. Now, lots of people listening to this will know that you and I, if we've worked together what seems like forever, 20 plus years, and um, there's not a lot I don't know about you. However, there are lots of things I know about you that I've never ever shared with anyone. Um, so maybe today, if the conversation goes the right way and it feels right, we can perhaps dig a little deeper into the type of person that you are and reveal some things which I know, I absolutely know, because I'm living proof that the listeners will get so much from because you are that kind of guy. So I just wondered whether we could start by you saying a few words about yourself and how giving the 12 days of listening in the form of podcast in the lead up to Christmas is going to be a gift for people. So a little bit about you and the gift of listening. Okay, so about me, my, um, my name is Martin, Martin Fricker, and uh, I've been on this planet for what seems like forever, um, 66 years, and and I don't feel that way. But it's been a, it's been a wonderful been a wonderful journey to date. Let's put it that way. And I I've got a, a love of of people, and it's you know I I've got a family like most people have who've been on this planet as long as I have. Um, a lovely family, uh, grown up children. Um, but I've got a family which is wider than that. And the wider family for me, my friends and colleagues and people I work with and the people I work to, and uh, the people that I offer my experience to, I believe they're all part of the wider family which, which makes my world, my life so rich. Um, Louise and I, as she said, already alluded to. In fact, let me just go back to what she said at first. She talked about um, my first guest. I thought she was going to say my first love, which would <laughs> make my life quickly. Ah, dream on, dream <laughs> on. <laughs> but she went on to something else. Uh, anyway, Lou and I, have, as she's already alluded to, uh, we've known each other for in excess of 20 years. And when I first met Lou, 
Um, I was working for a company called Flagship Training, as was she. Well, I was in the leadership development uh, cadre, and and we were running a program for one of the corporates out there, and they they were they were dead keen on on doing what we call the DRU, the Damage Repair Instructional Unit. And Lou used to do this as uh, an adjunct to her normal daily job in, in evenings. And I got paid more. And the damage repair instruction is like a cross section of a warship on stilts, on hydraulic stilts, and it rocked and flowed, and water came running in, and people had to go in there and repair what was, you know, perceived bomb damage. And it was really fun and really good and really cool. But that's where I first met Lou. And you know, there was, these people used to come along and, and run the run the the ship for us, and we as facilitators and coaches used to watch. Smile to ourselves. I was often laugh, and and then, but Lou did a fantastic job, and she obviously did a, a, a made a big impression on my colleagues who worked in Portsmouth, because before I knew it, she was part of our leadership team, and uh, and she she remained with flagship training, doing that stuff with me when the other two guys left. Two more means they left to set up their own business, and Lou and I stayed together, and Lou's. I remember, I remember to this day, Lou saying to me, right, this is how it's going to work. I'll, I'll do all the admin and you can be at the front of the room. And I remember looking at Lou and saying, I don't think it's going to work that way. Yes, you can do all the admin, but I'm not going to be the only person at the front of the room. And from that day on, Lou and I, our relationship changed dramatically. And uh, she is what she is today because of that, my resistance to only standing at the front of the room and her only doing admin. Yeah, uh, 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 that's a bit of a trip down memory lane. And um, there would be a really good, strong case in court to say that um, I've been, I've, I could have been bullied for 20 odd years, but I was heavily influenced. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, yeah, didn't do much admin, but Martin had me on the front line pretty quickly. So was was a serious influencer, serious, serious influencer. Um, and I know you've heard me say it publicly. I often refer to you as my North Star. So, you know, the person that encouraged me to stand on the front line and deliver training, developing um, humans from the front of a room to working in teams, to working in boardrooms, to, to getting involved in coaching. And um, yeah. What a journey. Mm. What a journey. You know, um, I, I've had a number of people who have mentored me in my life, uh, and some have been really cool and good, and others less so. Um, but I've taken something from each and every one of them. And, and there's, there's a phrase which goes around today, uh, and it's, it's sort of linked to resilience. Um, you know, you, we hear about post-traumatic stress and stuff like that. But I, I've absolutely latched on to that phrase, post-traumatic growth, where a little bit of trauma can inspire a huge amount of growth. And uh, I, I, I bought into it. I bought into it hugely. And I remember years and years and years ago, one of the mentors that I had at the time, uh, me going to him and thinking, well, I can ask him this question and he's going to come up with the most amazing answer and I'll be, everything will become clear. 
And he said to me, and I, it stuck with me for all my life, and it's not something which I share very often, but he said, think of how much compassion you will have in the future for others who struggle with this too. And you know what? He was absolutely right. And, and the struggle, the struggle has been in many different ways since then. But, but what I have done, and this has been part of my growth and development, uh, is, is I've had some trauma in my life. Most people know that because I tend to share it more so now than I ever would do in the past. And that trauma has set me on the, set me on the road to doing what I do today. And, and it sort of sparked in me that I had a responsibility to um, my colleagues, my friends, my fellow man to shine or, or bring light to an area of life where there could be, there could be a lot of darkness or there is a lot of darkness. Uh, and and, and I, I'm happy to share with anybody now Mm-hmm. my history my my growth my development the things that i went through as a child which which no child should actually go through um and 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 what i've done and and i just felt this this responsibility and it's it's been it's been a wonderful journey mm-hmm. it's been a wonderful journey and i know that there'll be people listening to to those words there and it will take them it will um it will turn back the clock a little bit for them because they'll remember you talking to them at their induction experience or mm. a learning course that they've participated in with us where we might have shared tiny fragments of the story and i know even for me one of the very first times that i started to learn about the scope of your life at such a young age and we laugh about it now we have loads of conversations about it now and I can remember nagging you years ago saying you've got to tell people that story because they're going to get something out of it they're going to realize that life's not that bad after all or there's some growth in there for them so with that in mind and and the fact that we've just taken people back to a moment in time where they've met you or they've listened to you and you've shared something what would you encourage them to think about in terms of post-traumatic growth? Because there's touch points in your story for absolutely everyone. Some of it's more emotional for some people and some of it's about you know, motivation and, and what, what they do on the back of hearing something like that. So in terms of post-traumatic growth, if, if people have got an opportunity to grow, what would be a tip from you around that? I think the one thing which, uh, you know, and, and it's, it, it can be difficult for people to come to terms with, but, um, you know, life, life isn't fair. It's not fair. No matter what people say and, and what the gurus might, gurus might say that, that life is, it's not. It's not. It is what it is. Life has its ups and it has its downs. And I just have this deep belief that no matter how deep the downs are, there's always something good that can be be taken from them. There's a lesson to be learned which can help you to grow. 
and 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 no matter how high the highs are, there are lessons to be taken because often we enjoy the highs, forget any lessons, we just take the high as it is. You know, it's like it's like pleasure, great, fantastic. But we dwell in the lows and we don't look for 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 learnings. And I just think that there are things to be taken from every moment in life. So, you know, I, 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 in my world, in my life, and it's not until I reflect back on it, the, all those years ago, I was learning to be who I am today. Mm-hmm. I was learning to deal with the things that I've dealt with in, in, in the last 10, 20, 30 years back then. And, and, and if you can go with that and take those learnings, you always, always, always can go forwards. Mm-hmm. And I, I know um, the, the, the highs, the lows, the plateaus, the twists and turns that life has presented over the last 20 years for you. Mm. And I'm just wondering whether you could, I don't know, share a, a, a short story from that to, to highlight the type of person that you are in the face of some of this stuff that presents itself? There, there, I, I, any one particular story, I'm not sure which one I would take. Do you want take. me to give you some? Yeah, yeah. Now, there's a good one, because I think this is, this is one that will... Uh, appeal and resonate with lots of listeners and it's about you know i know your boys they're all grown up now mm-hmm. um, and they're doing their thing and they are amazing professional sportsmen but there was a time when they were kind of transitioning from finishing school going to uni and and leaving great britain to go mm-hmm. and study abroad and you you know on the surface of that seemed to handle that in a very smooth way um, and knowing that they'd yeah. just be out there doing their thing. But you had a, an amazing mindset around it. So I wonder whether we could share a bit of that. My, my, my mindset around that was that, you know, whatever, whatever I could do in my life to, as, as any parent would do, you know, this is nothing, this is nothing unusual. In my world, it's nothing unusual. I think any parent would do everything they could do to make sure that their children got the best start in life and the best opportunities. And I did. I, 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 worked, I worked hard for, their, their, for them to get what they could get, you know, in terms of uh, opportunities. Um, was it challenging? Yes, it was. Of course it was. It, it's difficult. Your two children are going to America for crying out loud. So, to, and, and, they, and they were going away for five months, six months at a time because a, a, a US um, semester was from, from August, beginning of August, right through to Christmas. And then from January, right through to then mid to end of May and sometimes into June. So that's a long time to, you know, for your children to be in a different country, by themselves, having to fend for themselves. You're sort of three, four thousand, four thousand miles away, three, three and a half thousand miles away, and and yet they still want you to be their their dad and their mum 
and do their, not me, their mum, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> their, their dad for sure, uh, and, and do all those things that a, a dad would do if they were coming home every weekend to see you. So it, it was a challenge, and my mindset around it all was anything is possible. Anything is possible. Um, you know, two, two young English, black young men going to a country which has whatever it has in terms of its, its uh, understanding of racial fairness and equality. But I, I, I knew it would be a struggle for them. I knew it would be a struggle for them, you know, um, holistically. I knew it would be a struggle for them on equality on the equality front. But I still wanted them to do it because I knew it would make them grow and develop and become, you know, good citizens and good members of society. Mm. And how does that compare to that time in your life and the start that you were given? Oh, gosh, goodness me. Uh, you can give yeah. as much or as little detail as you want on this. <laughs> well, so, so, okay, so by the time... Um, by the time I was their age, when they went to university, I'd been in the Navy for three years. You know, I joined at 15. I was 15 years and three months when I joined the Navy. Um, Ryan went to university when he was 19. Leon went to university when he was 18, uh, 18 and a half. So I, I'd been in the Navy for three years, been off around the world, um, being, being abused by, by, I don't mean sexually abused but abused physically because mm -hmm. in the military and back in those days um you know a bit of physical abuse was okay you know walk the plank get a, get a shoeing in the in the and I was a cheeky little boy I was a cheeky boy I I you know I come I come the background I come from is very much like you stand up you, you say what you, you, you speak your truth it doesn't matter who it's to and I did that even to six foot six inch hairy ass chefs who, uh, who, who, <laughs> who, who had no idea of, uh, of, uh, of equality or anything else. And, and, and whilst I loved them more and I learned lots from them as well, it was, it was an experience. It was an experience. So by the time, by the time I was 18, I'd learned some stuff about life. You know, about learned a huge amount about life. And I'd been around the world and, uh, and, yeah, seen you inside of many bars, not 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 many sites. Yeah, huge comparison, a huge comparison. So, for anyone who's um, listening to this and they've got a kid at uni, um, a kid, a young adult at uni, um, or they are different ends of the country, they've not seen them for a while, and they might be, you know, I can't, I can't see them, we, uh, they've been in lockdown, there's lots of restrictions, they're worried about their health, etc. What, what would the piece of advice be from you? To, to, to support your children, absolutely 100%, uh, but let them grow. Allow them, to grow, allow them to grow and develop and become the human beings that they can be. Because, you know, as I say, I joined, it was quite funny, actually. I was talking to my, uh, to, uh, a couple of great nephews yesterday. And they were, um, because, as you know, yesterday my, my brother-in-law died and the, the whole family were gathered around the house. And my sister got her, her some of her albums, specifically, specifically her, uh, her, her wedding album. 
And by the way, she looks stunning. I have to say, you know, I, I have to tell her three times, goodness me, you, you were beautiful. And she was. But anyway, um, the, 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 young, the young males in the, in the family were looking at this and saying, well, I haven't seen you like that, Granny, blah, 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 daddy, daddy, da. And then they started to talk about me. And uh, because a, a woman in the photograph was one of the people that had been, um, uh, what do we say, an adopted stepmother type thing, you know, um, she, was, she, she got married to our, our, our dad after the adoptive mother died. I said, what's she doing there? <laughs> you know, what's she doing there? And the story started to unroll then about, about what had happened living with her and, and me leaving to join the Navy at 15 and my sister and, and the family coming up to Temple Meads train station to see me off. And at 15 years and three months, I set off for HMS Ganges in Ipswich, Shotley Gate, and uh, to travel to London and then across London and then get on a train at Liverpool Street down, into, down, to, down to Suffolk. And they were just looking at me, they're 20 odd years old now, these kids, and they're looking at me saying, at 15? <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's just what it was. You know, I, I knew no different, you know, that, and that's what, that is what society was like in those days. That's what you did. You got off your back and you went and did what you do. So my, my, my point of saying that is that they're 18 years old when they go to university today or 19 or whatever it is they're going to be. They're young adults. They are adults. They're not kids. I was a kid. I was a boy still, you know. Um, they're adults and they can stand on their own two feet, but we don't give them the opportunity to do that. You know, we expect to be doing this, that, and next thing for them. And I think that from my experience, it didn't do me any harm whatsoever. And, 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 and began the process of making me into the man I am today. Mm -hmm. And if there is anyone listening to that and they need some advice, the old school advice from Martin, just, just get in touch for the top tips if you need them. Um, and, and I'm serious about that as well, because I, I often come to you and say, oh, tell me a thing. I'm going mad, but should I be thinking about this with the kids? And you go, Lou, get a grip, get a grip. You joined the Navy when you were 18, no mobile phone. All you mm. can do is write home or queue up on the, on the jetty in Singapore with a phone card to phone your parents for like three minutes. And they'd be, by the way, they weren't even worried about you. They were busy at the rugby club having a, having a few ciders with their mates because they were relatively young at the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm, I, I agree that, you know, certainly worry about my kids more than it, it sounds like anyone ever worried about me. Um, mm. uh, I, it would be really easy during this conversation for you and I, I, I think I mentioned it earlier, to slip into that whole leadership piece because ultimately that, that's what we do for a living. We deliver impactful experiential leadership programs for teams individuals of all shapes and sizes but the thing for us as part of Inio life in particular that goes hand in hand with that leadership piece is this this job that is mentoring mm. and the the wisdom in a mentor and again when they when I mention the word wisdom I'm going to potentially take a whole host of listeners back to that point where they first met us at an induction 
and um, we had a series of um, nano learning sessions and, and wisdom was one experience they would have sat in on and talked about the, the beauty and the resource of having a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, that you are um, a mentor to lots of people in, in lots of walks of life. But actually, I do know that there's some great stories around some of the, the great mentoring that you've had. So f- almost like fighting your way into the Navy and up through the early years of your naval career from, you know, you were a chef and then you migrated into the physical training branch. And I know that that migration was heavily influenced by some fantastic people around you. You've got some good stories there. I just wondered whether you could expand on that because I know that that will really appeal to um, the listener because sometimes we need to go back into our archives, don't we, to get to get the resource because that then equals the learning and the mm-hmm. different insight. So if you could do that, I think it's going to help whoever's listening. Um, so as a young chef, I, I, I was... Coming from coming from my background, my behaviour was was challenging. I think for lots of people, um, I didn't particularly like discipline. Um, having having uh, a scrap was was okay. It was fun. Um, it was it was part of what got <laughs> released some released some pent up energy in me um, or sport. Um, and because of that, I was often in trouble in the Navy. I was often under punishment, as they called it. So doing nines, doubling around the parade ground, um, doing extra duties, wherever that might have been. And that, that started from when I was a young young 15-year-old boy. Um, and people used to say, oh, he'll mature, he'll do this, he'll do that. And, 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 and clearly I did, but very late in life, to be fair. Um, so, but there was a, there was a fleet master I was on, on, on the Hermes, uh, was the ship I was on. And he, he said something which stuck with me, stuck with me to this day. Um, when I was thinking, I, I've got to get out of this. I, I can't stand the chefing bit. I didn't like being behind a counter. I didn't like the feedback that came from the punters as they came past the counter. We made a big cafeteria type type event with fifteen hundred people coming through the through the galley at, at any any given meal time. And as a chef, you had to stand behind and own own what you cooked. <laughs> and um, you know, I used to be wanting to fight people. They said, "Oh, that's that's crap," or that's that's crap. And I'd want to go around there and have a little. Rumble, which was, which was foolish because, to be fair, we had four or five commando Royal Marines on on the Hermes and some Dutch Marines, Klondike Marines, and these were big, big people. And I was still, I was still developing, and uh, they would have loved to have done nothing more. Young chef around the place, but I was like, anyway, the uh, I was in trouble. I was in trouble yet again. And the war officer, war officer was a fleet chief at the time, but a war officer, uh, master at arms, who was like the, the head of police on the ship. He said to me uh, at the captain's table, when the captain was saying, we, we've got to look at your behavior and we may have to discharge you. And the war officer, master at arms said to me, 
didn't say to me, he said to the, to the room at the time, he said, Fricker does get into trouble, sir, but he's a lovable rogue and, and none of what he does is done with malice. So that was the first person who I thought, he believes in me. He believes in me as a, as a person, not just as a, as I just wasn't a number or anything else. So this guy believed in me as a person, which made me think differently. Also on that ship was a, a POPT called Andy Coles. Uh, Andy was, was my hero. He's my hero. He's, he's the person that uh, helped me to get as fit as I became as a youngster um, from training and, and doing what we did. He was different from the other POPT on the ship, who was a, a fencer, nothing against fencers, but that was his main sport. And, uh, and Andy was a rugby man and, 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 and physical trainer and a field gunner. And he was, um, I was fed up, fed up. I was, I'd had enough. I was, I got to get out of this and go back to Bristol and cause havoc with my mates who who were causing havoc and ended up in deep doo-doo. But I thought I'm clever so I can go back there. Andy said to me, and I said, I'm leaving. I'm going to put him to to leave the Navy. He said, why don't you become a PCI? He said, you're good at sport. You've got a great personality, you know, I don't know where he got that from, but anyway, um, he said, you know, you're a fun person. You're what the PT branch needs or wants. And I said, yeah, but I'd have to go back to being a, a seaman and I'm not going back to training, basic training. And he said to me at the time, he said, no, you don't have to do that. You can, you can go straight from your branch now because it's just opened up this year. It was a new DCI had come out maybe six months earlier. And Andy helped me developed lots of things that allowed me to go to my aptitude test at Temeraire. And, um, you know, so class taking, standing out in front of classes, increasing my fitness levels, what to look out for, taking daily exercises, which was a routine you had to take as a young PCI, which got you into standing in front of a group of people and dishing dishing out exercises and stuff like that. Andy was fantastic. And you know what? Uh, to this day, I, I owe him huge amounts, huge amounts of, of, of accolades and, and, and stuff like that. He, he, he believed in me. He pushed me when I needed pushing. He kicked my backside if, if I was on the verge of ending up back in, back in trouble with the, with the warrant of master arms. And, uh, and he was happy to, even when I was under punishment on the ship, he was ha- happy to sign for me take me, escort me, play sport, and then come back early and miss the post-match celebrations and drinking sessions. So, you know, for me, he's, he was somebody who gave, he gave, I could give him nothing, absolutely nothing, but he gave to me his, his belief, his, his love, and his, uh, and his experience. And I benefited from that 100%, and it, it did change you know, I'm a PTI, I became a PTI, I became what I am today, and it all started there, really. Two people, the one of the master arms who said, he's a lovable roadster, you don't want to be kicking him out, and then Andy Coles. Sadly, Andy died in, in later years, he got, he got uh, hit by, he was killed by hit and run. But, but he'd, done, he'd, done his, he'd done his stuff, he, he worked his magic with me mm. anyway. Yeah. And I think... Um... I think it's fair to say that that role of a mentor is not always about the good, the good chats, is it? And the, yeah. the fluffy, the fluffy stroking 
um, polite and um, friendly information, exchange of information. Sometimes, sometimes we need a bit of tough love. We need a metaphoric clip around the ear roll to um, shake ourselves off and go, what the hell am I doing? I need, I need to try something different here because clearly what I am doing is getting me nowhere. And, um, and I, you know, there's going to be, our mentors are going to be listening to this conversation and our learning and listening community are going to be listening to this conversation and, and perhaps thinking about how they can get that relationship to work differently or better. Mm. Uh, you know, here I would say just, just allow that mentor the freedom to stay true, true to themselves and, and do it in their style, in their way. Because then you're going to get the best results. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right, Lou. Um, I, I often talk to people about uh, the challenges that they face. And, you know, I, I, I faced challenges. And I doubted, I doubted myself. Even, even up until 20 years ago, I doubted I doubted myself. Despite what I'd gone through, I doubted myself. And I doubted myself around the things where, um, where education was concerned specifically. Um, you know, I left school at 15 for crying out loud. I had no, no qualifications whatsoever. Did I take GCSEs? Yes, I did. I did that whilst in the Navy. Um, but I, I had no qualifications. So when, when, I, um, when I have to when I had to deal with people who I perceived and considered to have um, uh, higher, educational higher educational standards than me, um, would be obviously because of their higher educational standards, they'd be more intelligent, et cetera, et cetera. What did I have to offer them? Mm. And you know what? And I think everybody, if you look at it from the right perspective, You don't have a choice. I, I didn't have a choice because I was thrown into this into this world, which in fact I was thrown into it by chance, but also by choice. Um, this is this is what I love doing, uh, and and I chose to do it. But it was a chance that, that came to me, um, and I and I realised that actually I was stronger than I thought, more intelligent than I'd imagined I, I could be. Um, people hung on the things that I said. And, and became what they considered to be better people from, from interacting with me. And, um, you know, it was great. It was great. You know, there were, there were times when I thought it was a dream, a, a, a dream which, which was going to stop. And, and I'd go back to reality, the reality of that little boy from Bristol who was lacking intelligence, lacking education, et cetera, et cetera. But it didn't stop, and it hasn't stopped. It's just kept on going, mm. and and I've got an insatiable hunger for for knowledge and and development, and I, I and I still read my 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 bookshelves are, are creaking under under the weight of books that are on them because I keep all the books that I've read because I, I just I just find it interesting. And I'm always researching stuff, and so like so I would say to anybody that that doubts themselves around around their ability, around, around what they can achieve. Take it from me, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. You just need to believe in yourself. And 
enjoy that journey. Mm. And I, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that everyone um, knows how much reading and research and thirst and hunger for, for knowledge that you've got. Um, and, and I always find it fascinating that I, you know, I might be all enthusiastic about, oh, I've just discovered this or I've, this, I've just listened to this and, and I'm waffling on about something. And actually, you've probably read it about two years ago. So most people I know are like two years behind the curve of Mr. F because um, he's already nailed it. Um, and, and, and I guess the question there is, how do you know what you you need how do you get drawn to information how do you know what you need at any given time i think i think that and this is something which has only come to me in the last few years as well is that i I do something every night which i i didn't i didn't make sense of it you know there are things that we do intrinsically which you don't, we don't know about, but they are adding to us uh, in many different ways. And I, I, give myself, I give myself credit every night for the day-to-day strengths and the things that I do and, and, and things like that. It's not something I did years and years ago as much as I, or, or, or I mostly really did it, but I didn't understand I was doing it. And I listen intently to 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 everything that goes on in in the world i i read the paper every day if not in the in the daytime in the evening and and that and within within the paper within the paper i am aware that i want to learn and there's going to be information which will allow me to develop in some way shape or form it's it reminds me of a story um, of an advert which was put into a paper. People say, you know, um, you, you, you get what you look for. You get what you look for. And, and because of my thirst for knowledge and, my, and, my, and I'm looking for what is, what is current in this space or that space, I do see much which others don't see at, in that moment in time. And it reminds me of an advert, uh, sorry, a, a story which uh, I once read about an advert was put into a paper by a psychologist and it, and the advert was was advertised if you apply for this if you apply for this you'll get ten dollars and it was ten dollars in america as as these things often are you'll get ten dollars and people who have this mindset of always looking for opportunity saw it and those who weren't looking for opportunity because they never are didn't see it even though they all read the same pages and i just find that amazing that but i believe in it because I'm looking for the opportunities. I'm looking for what's what's going to push me on, what's going to help me to grow, what's going to be there after I've moved on. And yeah. and it's helped me hugely. And I think that I think that's the reason why I see this stuff. You know, we've we've been on a journey Lou, over the years, and you know, <laughs> I was doing Tony Robbins back in whenever. I, I you know, I first read Tony Robbins back in 80 something you know and people said oh Tony Robbins he's great uh, in, in, in the 90s in the late 90s I'm thinking yeah I, I was chatting that stuff back then 
because I was looking for those opportunities, I guess, you know. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, there's a massive advantage for anyone who's listening in having someone that you work with who's 20 years older than you because um, you can you can piggyback on that and, and cash in on it and enjoy enjoy the journey um, in a different way but at the same rate sometimes. Um, and I've just written on my notes here, while you were talking about, you know, looking for articles and things that you've read, I've written down, eyes open versus eyes shut mm. and for me you know I've got this job of how do we make learning engaging for individuals and I'm a, behind the scenes you know not many people will know this about me but I am such a stickler for we've got to stick to the the purest principles of learning mm. and and for me I, I always want a story involved in learning but but having the awareness as young as we can possibly get it of what am I going into this for? So it could be a one day or a two day workshop, but having the level of awareness in the car on the way to that workshop to be able to say to yourself, okay, am I going into this conscious and aware of what I really want to learn and what I want to get out of it or am I going in oblivious to all of that with my eyes shut and my awareness dialed down my awareness turned right down to the point where it's just another experience and then before you know it I'm going back out the door and I haven't stacked up the learning the learning will have happened mm. But the, the kind of nervous system wouldn't have been woken up, if you like. Mm. So, so that I'm, that's what I'm picking out as you're talking there. I'm thinking this is about eye, eyes open or eyes shut here. And I, anyone who's listening, I want them to be able to think about what they're doing next, what they're planning that they're going to do differently, and whether they are going into it with their with their experience dialed up, everything open, looking for what they really want to get versus dialed down. Yeah. A little bit yeah. in, a little bit out. Call it what you want. Yeah. I, I think I think that's the massive takeaway really, um, of having good resources around you, whether it's mentors or friends or or things that just consistently remind you of well, what do you want to get out of it? Don't do it if you're not open yet. Wait until you are open and when the motivation's right. That's true. That's, you know, that's so true, Lou. And, and, and you know, over the years, uh, some of the stuff that I've been into, you know, be it veganism, be it raw foodism, be it whatever, I've tried to give that to people and they, there's, been, there's been no chance. And that's cool. That's cool, you know, because that's taught me stuff. That's taught but 18 months two years later they're talking veganism or juicing or whatever it might be and 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 i just you know i think you know you 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 take people down the road they'll 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 take on the things they want to take on when they want to take them on when they're ready mm -hmm. and and they may not see the hidden advantages in the moment but when the hidden advantages reveal themselves, because and they're no longer hidden, they embrace them fully. And you know, we can talk about many of the people that we work with, who have, who, who to me now 
are such different people from what they were five, six, seven, eight years ago. And 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 I don't put I don't describe that to me in any way, shape, or form. But I know that being around in that environment, which which is being created by what we do as a, as a, you and I, has 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 led to them their their growth and their development. Yeah. And I think and I think that's such an important thing. Join me tomorrow, learners, when I'll be talking to Lynn Vaughan, another one of our wonderful rebooters, and she will be sharing her reboot journey and the highlights of her achievements to date. <laughs>